Good morning. Let us pray. Good and gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of this day, the gift of each other, the gift of this worship service. We thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy, for your hedge of protection that always surrounds us. We thank you that we are safe and sound right here and right now. We ask now that you would speak a word to us, a word of challenge and conviction, a word of liberation and freedom, a word of transformation and hope. We pray as always that as your word goes forth, it might be for the salvation of souls, the transformation of lives, the edification of all hearers, the furtherance of your kingdom and ultimately the glory of your name. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. My sermon text for this morning is the Gospel lesson, John chapter 6, verses 1 through 21. Although we will be looking at verses 1 through 15, which is the uh, famous story of the miraculous feeding of the 5,000. My sermon title for today is taken from a subtle and innocent phrase found in the middle of verse number 11. And when he had given thanks. And when he had given thanks. As this particular text opens up, two things immediately leap out at you. Number one, there is a need. And number two, there are resources. But there is a predicament. The resources are not enough to meet the need. The need is overwhelming. The resources are underwhelming. The need is great. The resources are insufficient. The need is seemingly inexhaustible. The resources are finite. The need is almost insurmountable. The resources are scarce. And so we are presented right off the bat with a scenario that resonates within the human spirit because it is an accurate portrayal of ultimate human reality. You have a need right now in your life for which your available resources are inadequate. You have a need that exceeds the resources at your disposal. There is a need that no amount of material prosperity will ever meet. There is a need that no amount of earthly success or societal accolades will ever fill. There is a need that no amount of salary or education can ever cover. There is a need that you can't buy your way out of, vacation your way out of, eat, drink, or drug your way out of, fantasy football your way out of, (laughs) distract your way out of with any of the hundreds of distractions available to us in our world, a need that you cannot volunteer your way out of or even church work your way out of. No impressive job title or particular line of work, or manner of dress, or size of home, or type of automobile will ever put a dent in this need. 
The need is too great and too deep. And all available, tangible, worldly resources will never cover it. Though many of us will spend our entire lives pretending and convincing ourselves that they will. And so we all lead, to a degree, hollow, empty, deceit, deceptive lives. Building up an impressive facade of ourselves, which we present to the world. To demonstrate that we are well and happy and successful and fulfilled while we are starving and dying on the inside. Why else do you think Jesus said, whoever gains his life has lost it. But whoever loses his life will gain it or find it. And yet we spend every waking moment trying to gain. Verse number five. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? Translation, with a need so great and overwhelming, what are we going to do? Also notice, where are we going to buy bread? Translation, we obviously don't have enough here with us, so we have to go get it elsewhere outside of ourselves. Verse number six, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip represents where we are if we disassemble the facade and are honest with ourselves. Six months wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get even a little bit. Translation, it's impossible. It's not going to happen. Andrew represents the next step. By noticing the unnoticeable. By perceiving what we are accustomed to overlook because it doesn't measure up, it's not big enough for us. Verse number nine. There is a boy here. There is a boy here who has five loaves and barley loaves and two fish. But what are they? What are they among so many. In addition to the almost non-existent numbers here, they are offered by a child, not an adult. And barley loaves are poor people's fare. Not what anyone ate who could afford better. We, you see, attach value to sizable numbers, to productive adults, and to affluence. Not to meager numbers, small children, and the stuff of poverty. And yet that is exactly what Jesus is about to use here. We are informed dauntingly in verse number 10 that there are 5,000 people present. Next we see arguably the most important set of verbs in all of scripture. Then Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish as much as they wanted. The reason I suggest that these might be the most important set of verbs is because it is the same set, essentially, as is used in Jesus' Last Supper, which has been bequeathed to us as Holy Communion, or the Eucharist. I must point out that while here in John for this story, the verbs are three, took, gave thanks, and distributed. In the other three Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, for this same story, the verbs are four, took, blessed, or gave thanks, 
broke and gave. So broke and gave are collapsed here in John into distributed. In the Last Supper, Scripture records that Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it and gave it, saying, this is my body, do this for the remembrance of me. So the verbs here in the feeding of the 5,000 are also the same verbs in the Last Supper and our communion. I also think that this is true for us in a spiritual sense. I think that our lives are taken. I think we are blessed. Then I think we are broken and given. And so we can't really be given in love and service to this world unless we are first broken. But none of us wants to be broken. So we try to avoid that. And when it happens anyway, we are embarrassed and in pain and try to sweep it under the rug of our consciousness. And the last thing we consider is that maybe, just maybe, our being broken is the key to being given in compassionate assistance to a hurting world. But that's another sermon for another time. I just float it so you can begin to apply those verbs to your own life of Christian discipleship. Back to verse number 11. Jesus takes five loaves and two fish. He takes what is not enough, what is insufficient for the need at hand. He gives thanks for them and he distributes them, breaks and gives them. The next verses simply describe the result. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. The onlookers are predictably amazed, proclaim him a prophet, and then try to take him by force and make him king, an offer which he refuses because that's part of the facade we talked about earlier. It is unclear in the narrative precisely when this miraculous multiplication takes place. But the only thing textually that occurs between Jesus taking the loaves and fish and distributing them is an oft-overlooked phrase. And when he had given thanks. Jesus took only five loaves and a few small fish, you see. And distributed them to 5,000 people. And they all ate as much as they wanted, the text says, until they were satisfied. And all Jesus did in the interim was to give thanks. He didn't ask for more than he already had. He just gave thanks for what he did have. Philip may have seen only despair and impossibility. Andrew may have seen only laughable inadequacy. But Jesus saw an opportunity to give thanks, to offer appreciation and gratitude. He thanked God the Father for what wasn't enough and somehow it became enough. He thanked God for what was too little too late and it became too much right on time. He thanked God for only five loaves and got back 12 baskets full. He gave thanks for 5,000 growling stomachs and it yielded 5,000 burping, belt unbuckled, content and tired witnesses. And the only verb between taking and distributing was giving thanks. I wonder what would happen, my friends, 
If we changed our whole perspective, shifted our entire outlook, instead of assessing things from the world's vantage point, we don't have enough. I wonder what would happen if we assessed things from Jesus' perspective and gave thanks for what wasn't enough, for what was insufficient, for a small child, small portions, and meager fare. What if, instead of focusing on our children's rebellion, we simply thanked God for their very being? What if, instead of focusing on a loved one's stubbornness or ingratitude, we simply thanked God for their existence? What if, instead of lamenting and bemoaning all we have to do to make ends meet, we simply thanked God for even having ends in the first place? What if instead of focusing on fears and doubts and inadequacies, incompetencies and low self-esteem, we thanked God for the gift of life itself, for waking us up each and every morning, for giving us another chance to worship and dream again and start over with each and every morning's sunrise. I don't suggest such a perspective or behavior as a superficial magic wand panacea that will remove all your struggles and suffering in a hocus-pocus poof of smoke and mist. But I do challenge us with the reality of this morning's text, in which the only thing between taking and distributing is giving thanks. The only thing between scarcity and bounty is gratitude. The only thing between lack and provision is appreciation. The only thing between what is this among so great a need and saturation to the point of abundance is, as the other gospels related, looking up to heaven and blessing or giving thanks. In essence, can we walk by faith and not by sight? Can you look at your family and say thank you? Can you look at your job and say thank you? Can you look at your bank account and instead of saying, help me, Holy Ghost, say thank you? Can you look at your health and say thank you? Can you look at your education, your gifts, your skills, and your passions and say thank you? Can you look at the body of Christ that is St. Philip Lutheran Church and say thank you? Thank you for the worship. Thank you for the fellowship. Thank you for the opportunity to grow and to serve. Thank you for the relationships formed and strengthened here in this place among this body of Christ. In all circumstances, Paul once wrote to the Thessalonians, give thanks. In all circumstances, give thanks. Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks. Our great need in this life is to prove ourselves. To prove that we matter. That we are worthy. That we are important. And so we spend every moment doing precisely that. But the truth shall set you free. And the truth is, you already matter. You're already important. You are already worthy. Just by being born. Just 
by being here. Just because you were created in the very image and likeness of God. And if you can receive that and accept that, you can be free. Free to lose your life. Free from having to meet anyone's expectations. Free to love to serve, to give, and to spend on that which is not yourself. And on this day, when we gather to give thanks to the Lord, I give thanks for you. For all that you mean and all that you do which goes unnoticed except by God. And when he had given thanks, amen.